0: Good morning. If there's one thing that I want you to remember from this message this morning, it's the verse that we're going to be focused on, which is in Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're continuing our series in the Old Testament, and today we're going to look at God's solution to Joshua's problems and how this also applies very directly to us. And my goal this morning is that, uh, that you would take this promise in deeply. And as we go into this new year and a new season, uh, with uncertainty for many of us that these words will be your strength. So we're going to do three things. First of all, we're going to look at the background story, this, the setting where these words were spoken. Then we're going to look at how Joshua's problems relate to ours. And then finally, God's solution And his promise, both to Joshua and to us. So, first of all, let's have a look at the story. Uh, Very, very briefly, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, was given a new name by God. He was given the name Israel. He had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes, and they moved to Egypt because of the famine, and they became known as the children of Israel. They were slaves. In Egypt for 400 years and eventually Moses led the nation out of slavery and they set up on a journey um, to a land that God had promised them and to get there they had to, to cross the Red Sea and then uh, go through the wilderness of the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, they were constantly complaining and rebelling against Moses and against God um now moses was an extraordinary leader he um w- he talked with god face to face he received the law and he wrote the first five books of the bible and then finally they reached the borders of the promised land a land that was filled with with fierce a uh, violent and corrupt people and leading Uh, This people leading the Israelites into this land would be a huge challenge, even for a man like Moses, partly because it was such a huge and dangerous unknown that they were moving into, but also because this nation was so rebellious, it was impossible to lead. Um, And just when they reached the borders, God took Moses to heaven and passed the whole leadership problem on to this man, called Joshua. And so I'm setting the story up like this because I want you to imagine how Joshua felt at this particular time. How how he felt. Can you imagine that? Um Can you imagine, like, what problems did he face? Uh, it was a lot of people. He had to figure it all out. He'd not actually... I guess it's in those second command that he'd not actually... He'd not done this before. He had a huge number of problems to try and face. And uh, and how does this compare? How do Joshua's problems compare with your problems right now, situations you face in your life? Probably not as big as Joshua's problems. But there are some similarities. And let's just have a look at what his problems were. Externally, he had a huge task, vicious enemies. Massive hostility to their presence in the land. And Joshua didn't even have an army, but an unarmed rabble of ex-slaves. So those were the external problems. But then internally, his own people. A history of constant rebellion against their leaders, and he is now the leader, and against God. So this is the historical backdrop of this situation. About to enter the land, He's just become leader, and he's got to follow in the footsteps of Moses, this incredible man who led them across the Red Sea who face to face with God, and he's got to follow that, so you can imagine a, a little bit of a maybe maybe self doubt fear um lacking in in um real um confidence that things were going to go really well so So we've looked then at the background story, and I want to move now to see Joshua's problems and see how these relate to our problems. Look at some scriptures, and then we'll look at the solution. So how does this relate to us? Well, it's interesting that in Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, the author to Hebrews draws a very straight line between the experience of the Israelites in the wilderness and our experience, uh, really saying that this life that we are in is our wilderness journey. So here's a quote. Uh, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. And so he's saying like this is... um. This is your situation. Don't behave in the way that those Israelites did. So they were started as slaves in Egypt, and we actually start as slaves to sin. So we have this experience in common. And the the coming out through the Red Sea is actually a picture of salvation. And even the the, the Red Sea itself is, is used as an example, a picture of baptism. And that, so that's our salvation story, coming out of, of of Egypt, freeing from slavery. This dramatic act, and Paul in his letters speaks about this and says, No, we've died to the slavery of the old, and we've received new life." And uh, but the Book of the Hebrews tells us that the goal in this journey was rest, to reach rest, and they were the rest was not they not received it yet it was in the promised land and they were to enter this rest by enduring the challenges in the wilderness and so just in the same way we are enduring challenges and we will enter rest in eternity and so let's look at Hebrews 4 for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his now speaking about creation let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience as in the wilderness. But we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect, who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So what it's doing is saying there's a parallel between us and the Israelites in the wilderness, but we've got Jesus who is there for us in this amazing way. And also it tells us that there's a slight difference that we get some of the rest now. We don't have to wait for heaven to get all the blessing and uh so in fact verse 11 it says let let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest we can rest and to start entering that now right now um so that's one of the parallels between what they're going through and what we're going through there's also a parallel with um the, 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 conflict they have. And God promised the land, but they had to still fight for the land to enter in. And God has made, given us many promises for good things now, but we can't sit back. We, he said we, we have a spiritual warfare. So this idea of warfare and fighting the warfare in God's strength parallels both them and now. So what I've been trying to do by showing you these verses from Hebrews is to show that I can legitimately take the word spoken to Joshua in his situation and apply it to our own because the Bible has actually wired those two together. One is a picture of the other. And I'm not just taking these verses out of context and saying these are great verses, let's apply them to us. There is a biblical precedent for applying these verses to us. And um, uh, another example of this, this imagery that's being used, the warfare that Joshua is going into, is in, in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle that's raised up against the knowledge of god and we take every thought captive to make it obey christ so what's it talking about here you've probably noticed that ideas appear in your head that are not from god you know ideas like uh, you're a useless failure. Nothing will ever come of you, which is not what God says to you, but we can have these words spoken into us or to, we, you should do this. If you really want to have fun, do this in your life. You know, this is what, this is what's going to, and a lot and what Satan speaks these words into our, into our minds and. These are words that we have a warfare against and we tear down these arguments that he brings us. And so what Paul is doing here is taking the imagery of the Israelites facing their enemies and this battle where Satan's trying to destroy them with physical enemies and he's taking that into our own experience of a warfare that goes on in our minds where we tear down arguments that are raised against God. So that's the internal. I said there were two sides to Joshua's struggle, the external against these external enemies and then the internal in ourselves. And so this is the internal part of what we have to do. Just as he had Joshua had a whole load of, of unbelieving people who doubted God. We've got a whole load of thoughts that come up that doubt God inside that we have to deal with. So, um, two sides to Joshua's problem then, the outside and the inside. And we have the same issue. So I hope, I hope I've convinced you that if we can find the answer to Joshua's problems, then that will also be the answer to our problems. And we can get a great amount of help by applying that to us. So this is what we're going to come on to. Then we've looked at the background story. We've looked at how Joshua's problems relate to ours. And now we're going to look at God's solution and his promise. And this is going to form the main part of what I want to say today. Because what I want to do now is to to go through this passage in Joshua chapter 1. After Moses, the Lord's servant died, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get ready. Cross the Jordan River. Lead this these people into the land, which I am ready to hand over to them. I am handing over to you, every place you set foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north. It will extend all the way to the great river Euphrates in the east, including all of Syria, and all the way to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to resist you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Amazing. Can you imagine how this felt? Can you imagine how these words are sinking in to Joshua? I will not leave you nor forsake you. Wow. Be strong and courageous. You must lead these people in the conquest of the land that I solemnly promised to their ancestors I would hand over to them. Only be strong and very courageous. Carefully obey all the law that my servant Moses charged you to keep. Do not swerve from it to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful. In all you do. So you can imagine a line on the floor, which is the line God's given them, and not to go off one side or the other, but just to stay in that line where you can keep straight. Um, So don't swerve to the right or the left. Verse 8: This book of the law must not leave your lips. You must meditate on it day and night so that you can carefully obey all that is written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. So do you know how much of the Bible was written at that time? Um, well, here's a clue. The book of Joshua wasn't written, and that's the fifth book, sixth book of the Bible. So it was the first five books, the books of Moses. Moses wrote those books. And so those really contained the story up till then. A lot of a lot of of valuable stuff, um, tremendous insights into who God was and what he did in the life of, of Abraham and so on. Plus, of course, the actual laws that they had to live by. So he says, verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So just imagine what it felt like as Joshua is suddenly he's thrust into this position of leadership. What it feels like for him to receive these amazing words. So God's solution, uh, we can see in verse seven, the first part is a total devotion to the scriptures. Um, So even though it's just the first books, it contains so much about God's person, his nature, about humanity, about rebellion, and God's grace and justice, and his grace towards Abraham, the way he showed love and faithfulness, his chesed love to him, and and it contains a lot of material that he can learn from. Um, but we see in this passage then, there are these conditions that he, he has to do. So, um, Uh, He mustn't deviate to the right or the left. Now, why is that? Uh, Is it that God is just a legalist and God wants us to like be absolutely right on the law? No, that's not what it is. It's because these laws reflect God's nature, reflect who God is. And so uh, one of the laws, for example, if there's uh, uh, an alien amongst you, somebody from another land, be kind to them because that's God's nature. And so they were to show kindness because they were were to reflect the nature of God to the rest of the world. And as he was to, would study God's law, he would see something of God's nature to be revealed. Um, so he wasn't to deviate, but verse 8, on the contrary, everything he found in the scripture he must do. And, uh, later on in chapter 11, we realize, we, we read how careful he was and how faithful he actually was in doing these. Um, but you also notice that, um, in verse eight, in the first part, he was to tell others about the law. So it says, um, uh, the book of law must not leave your lips. In other words, you must speak about it. Um, so, uh, but then he's told to meditate on it, and you you may you may wonder well what what is this talking about here? And this is not talking about the the kind of um Eastern meditation where the goal is to just free your mind and just empty your mind and to stop to to, 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 to stop concentrating on things. That's not what the word meant in the Hebrew. The word literally means to mutter. So what, why matter? Well, you have to think of this, that this is a culture where most people don't, are not literate. They don't read the Bible. They don't like take a scroll to bed and read them before they go to sleep. They, um, they memorize it and cultures where people don't read, it's been discovered that they have an amazing power to memorize. And so it's thought that many Jews would have memorized the entire book of Psalms by heart, plus many other parts of the Bible they would know by heart. And so what happens is if you want to do your Bible reading, you actually, you actually, you, you, you remember it. And in fact, you would, you would say it, you would mutter it as you're remembering it. So if you're, you remember, um, uh, uh, you're, you're remembering um, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you just remember that by speaking it. And so what he's really telling him to do is to go through this process of bringing scripture to mind. But it's a little bit more than that. So it's not just saying the words, but just thinking through the words as well. And so allowing the meaning of those words to kind of rattle around in your mind and and work out how they may be applied to you. And we can do the same thing in a a culture where where most of us read, when we read the scriptures, but not just say, I've done my reading for the day, but actually like spend a few minutes thinking, hmm, what does that mean? Hmm, God, show me, how does that apply to me? And just allowing those words to soak into us. So another word for meditate might be soak in the scriptures allow the scriptures to be like a bath you soak in and the words of god just fill your pores and soak into you um so uh it's so it's it's this idea then of um, just submerging yourself in what god has said and allowing it to sink into you so what why want to ask the question did, did this promise, this amazing promise come, through, come true for Joshua? Did it? Yes. yes, it did. It did. So incredibly. So here's the first challenge. So this is an, an artist's impression of the Jordan that Joshua would face. And this was the moment of truth, because here they had to cross this to get into the promised land. This was the physical barrier. And Moses, of course, had struck the 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 red sea with his staff and it made a dry land across what was going to happen here and god instructed joshua what to do and he did it and the waters parted and they went through incredible as source of confidence that god was going to bring about what he said so here was um, god taking them into the promised land, as he promised that he would in these verses, so I want to say, what about us? What does that mean for you and me? How is this to be applied to us? well, just some sim- just simply we can say, well, read the Bible regularly, obviously that that's what it means um, the to start with, but then meditate, soak on it, uh, think about what it says um Sometimes, for example, a verse might really strike me and I'll write it out on a card and pin it on notice board in front of me because I want to, to look at that and I want to be reminded of that. So that's kind of makes me think about it, but not just thinking about it. What Joshua was told to do was not to depart from the right or left, which means be obedient to it. Um, so, uh, what, what does this mean? Um, is it about just following a bunch of rules you might say i thought i thought um being a christian was about loving god not just trying to follow all of these rules well let me give you an example of, of why these two are not opposed to one another supposing you heard of a, a married couple and you were told they were deeply in love with one another and then when you found, saw them and you got to know them you discovered that um that the husband uh, insisted on wearing these loud green check pants, which you knew his wife hated, but I mean, he insisted on wearing them all the time. And then you knew that she was constantly eating garlic and he detested the smell of garlic. And yet she persisted in doing that. Well, you might think, well, do how much do they love one another if they do this? Well, why is that? Because when we love somebody, we want to do what pleases them. They can't separate out loving and wanting to please. And so I want to tell you, we don't separate a obe- obeying God from loving him and saying, well, obeying God is just legalism. Because if you love me, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so don't think of them as just a set of rules. Think of them as a pathway of showing you love God, a pathway of expressing your love, to God, So this is what it is. So a writer said concerning Joshua, his finest quality was his utter devotion to the law of God. He saturated his heart and mind with the word of God and that, and that enabled him to stay on the line and not go to the right or to the left. Um, so. Uh, Jesus said, follow me. He said, I am the way, follow me. Well, what does that mean to follow Jesus? It doesn't mean literally walk along behind him. Now it means follow the words that he's given us, follow the life that he's given us. Um, so what about the promises then that go with these conditions? These uh, promises, these extraordinary, amazing promises that go with these uh these things that he's given to him let's look at them uh these amazing promises again um so uh, he says in verse five sorry verse verse three i'm handing to you every place you set foot as i promised moses and um gave him you know all of the promises that he'd made in his life verse five um just as i was with moses um uh just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And this is, this is just so wonderful. Um, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Um, then he says, um, You may be successful in what you do. You may be successful in what you do. So this is not... A prosperity gospel promise. Oh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to buy some lotto tickets and God says I'm going to be successful. So I'm going to win the lotto. This isn't what it's about. The success that's promised to Joshua wasn't just like his own personal endeavors, but his success in being the person that God wanted him to be. So, but this is a, this is promised to us here. Um, and then verse eight, he says, um, the promise is, then you will prosper and be successful. So, in the task that he's been given, he he will prosper. He will be successful. He will receive the the joy of reaching the the, the, the place God has given him to be to to go. Um. So, this is uh, these are amazing. Amazing promises now, amazing promises. And, of course, the last one at the end, the Lord God is with you wherever you go. So just wanting to sum those up then, uh, those promises. um, Devotion to the scriptures he's given us, strength and courage coming from a trust in himself. Uh, Verse six says, be strong and of good courage verse 7 says only be strong and very courageous and verse 9 says be strong and of good courage do not be afraid or dismayed so not only is he going to prosper but he's going to have confidence and he's told to be courageous now it's very easy for for us to tell somebody to be strong and have courage you know you can walk up to somebody and say oh everything's going to be okay don't worry uh, don't worry, Joshua, about all these armies, you know, just be courageous. Um, and uh, people can say this to to us. Um, you're a Christian. Cheer up. Everything will be OK. It's all working out for our own good. God's promised. And it can be glib and not feel very encouraging for us. Um, but this was not empty encouragement. This was backed up by some tremendous statements from God. So no one will be able to stand before you, and I will not, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Um, this, is, this is quite, a, when God's saying, I will not leave you nor forsake you, that's, that's an incredibly powerful a promise. And what's interesting is that Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it quotes that. It says, I will not leave you nor forsake you, and applies it to us. Exactly the words from here. So again, this is my my um, evidence that I'm legitimate in taking these promises and applying to us because the book of Hebrews does this. Um, it says in verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Red Sea, the rock, the manna, all of that stuff, God says, I will be with you. And um, I want to say, God says to you this morning, as I was with Paul, as I was with Peter, as I was with John, I will be with you. That's what God says. He says, the same spirit I gave to them, I give to you. Have I not commanded you? Now, I think here we have the core of what makes these words encouragement, encouraging. Here we have the crux. Have I not commanded you? It's God who's commanding us. It's God in there in verse nine. Have I not commanded you? So there we go. Supposing you were in a, in a dangerous part of a big city at night and you were trying to walk home and it looked really dangerous and a little boy came up to you and said, uh, I'll walk home with you if, you're okay, if you want. You'll be OK. Would that give you much encouragement? I don't think so. But if a, if a police cruiser happened to stop and a really nice officer leaned out the window and said, hey, um, I don't think you're really very safe here. I tell you what, if you jump in, I'll drive you home. That would give you a lot more confidence than the little boy, wouldn't it? You'd feel a lot, a lot, a lot more encouraged by that kind of statement. Um, and here the infinite creator of the universe is saying, I'm with you. It's not me who's telling you this. This isn't anybody who's telling you this. This is the creator of the universe. It's me who's saying, I am with you. And I think this is core to receiving this text this morning core to getting the blessing that I want us all to get is to really grasp who is saying this to us. Um, so to 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 live the successful Christian life, I want to say that we must be aware. We must really know that your mighty, all powerful God is actually by our side. It's he who tells us to have courage. We may not necessarily feel his presence all the time, but real faith does not need the feelings. No, God tells us, I will never leave you. And sometimes we don't feel him here, but he is here whether we feel it or not. He is with us. He's with me right now as I'm speaking to you. He's with you. If you're one of his children, he is with you right now and he will never leave you to forsake you so i want to sum up then now joshua's problems are similar to our problems and the um the problems that joshua has um uh, god's given a solution which is devotion to the scriptures he's given us strength and courage coming from a trust in himself and um is taking in these words here, be strong and of good courage, only be strong and very courageous, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid nor dismayed. But if there's one thing I want you to remember from these scriptures today, if there's one thing I want you to remember, it's that it's not in in Joshua's own strength, but it's by keeping close to God. And so it's not in our own strength that we can be confident. Our confidence is not that God gives us strength. It's that he says, keep close to me and I will give you strength. So the one thing I want you to remember is that this promise, when it comes down to it, is comes from being close to him and living a life that is close to him. And, uh, if there's not, I, you have nothing to fear in this coming season, this coming year, 2022, this coming season, as hopefully we come out of COVID and lots of things may be different. Uh, you've nothing to fear if you stay close to God, especially by reading his words and soaking in them. So I want to close by reading verse eight, the same verse that I started with. And what I'd like you to do is to repeat this with me. And I know this might sound, feel odd if you, you're, you know, you're on the internet and you're watching this, but nevertheless, I want you to do this. I want you to repeat this with me. As I read it, I want you to read it with me because I think that does do something to us. Um, so, uh, let me just go. Uh, Okay, you ready? Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Can you take that in? Let's pray that we can take this in. Gracious God, we are so so thrilled, delighted, overwhelmed by the promises that you've given us that you will never leave us or forsake us. You will not abandon us and you are with us and you tell us to be strong and courageous. Thank you, God, for these words, these words that are life to us. Lord, I pray for myself and for everyone else here that we would take these words in, that we won't be frightened, that we won't be dismayed, but we will be strong and know that you're with us wherever we go. Lord, give us this confidence as we move forward into this next season. And Lord, may we stay close to you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Wow, it's uh, such a blessing just going through, just reading these words are a blessing to me. And uh, I hope they've been a blessing to you.